still dark. It has been a tradition in the Christian church for us to have Easter sunrise services as we did here this morning. And it's a time of great rejoicing. I suppose one of the reasons that those Easter sunrise services are so popular is because they help us reenact that first Easter. But there's something that's different about Easter morning. Because Easter is a brand new day unlike any day that's gone before. Mornings broken over cemeteries in the past where graves still held their victims. But on Easter, it's daybreak over an empty tomb. The tomb has been forced to give up its victim. And we say, He is risen. And congregations are supposed to respond, The Easter story, like so much of the rest of the Bible, makes a great deal about light and darkness. Light is beautiful imagery, and it helps us contrast good and evil. The Bible begins and ends in light. The first thing God creates in Genesis is light. And in the book of Revelation, there is light all around the holy city, a light that has no shadows and no darkness. And in between this beginning and this ending, the Bible makes use over and over again of this mighty symbolism of the presence and the majesty of God. In the life of Christ, light is used from the beginning to symbolize who He is. From the glory of the Lord shining around shepherds at the birth to Jesus' own words about Himself, I am the light of the world. And so it's not strange then that we come to the resurrection and we find much use is being made of, of light. Resurrection occurs, we are told, in the dawn. The young man Mary saw in the account is wearing white. Some accounts talk about the dazzling light that shines from him. But it's more than just light, it stands for something. A day like, a day unlike any other. I want to talk to you about four things this morning that Easter guarantees us. And each of these things tie one to the other. And first and foremost, it guarantees us that Jesus Christ is alive. We don't gather here this morning to remember a good man who did nice things and helped people before he was cruelly killed. We're not here to remember a ghost from the past. This is not Memorial Day. We're not here to remember somebody who spent time in a coma and then three days later miraculously recovered. No. We're here remembering one who was dead. Dead and buried. And then by the power of Almighty God is resurrected. Mark along with the other Gospels tells us that early in the morning on the first day of the week it is the women who go to anoint the body 
And it is their last opportunity to give honor to the one they think is dead. That's something we all try to do, respect for the ones who've gone before us. They're coming to anoint the body of a dead man. And what a surprise. The young man, other gospels say, angel, clothed in these garments of light, says, don't be alarmed, don't be afraid. Can you imagine not being afraid? How many of you have ever gone to a cemetery and found the grave open and empty? That's not our experience. Of course they're afraid. But it's almost as if this angel, this apparition, this young man is saying, you don't need to be ever afraid again. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He's not here. He's been raised. And in the faint light of that early dawn, these women look for themselves and they find that the tomb is nothing but an empty shell. I don't know about you, but I've seen enough of death. Death is all around us. I've seen and I've felt the fear and the sadness. I've sat with too many families trying to make sense when a loved one died. Death makes us apprehensive and alarmed and afraid. And yet, the words to us are the same words to the disciples. Do not be afraid. You see, this Jesus of Nazareth, He's not here. He's risen. Now, I'm perfectly aware that there are those who doubt the resurrection. There are those who would mock our surety, those who would demand some kind of proof. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is in itself shrouded in mystery and it gives us no proof. For those who believe, there is no further need for proof. For those who demand proof, there is no amount of empirical evidence that will satisfy the demands. Resurrection is no more a matter of proof than is the beauty of a sunrise. Either you see the beauty or you don't. And no amount of argument will make you see it if it's not there in your heart. And the same is true of our belief about resurrection. Either you believe it or you don't. And no amount of argument was going to change your mind. It's a matter of faith. But I can tell you this, whether you believe in the risen Christ or not, the risen Christ believes in you. The second thing that is a guarantee on this Easter is that glimmer of hope we saw in Jesus' words from the cross come to their full glory and power. For the cross has become a throne. On Friday of Holy Week, the cross of Jesus looked like it had won and that death was in control. It seemed that He who had offered so much hope had failed miserably. The light of the world had flickered and gone out, full-blown wickedness seemed to be in control. Even nature responds to that dark hour. The Gospel that tells us 
from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there's darkness over the land. And from noon until three, this darkness blacks out all hope. And then there's earthquakes and other frightening events, including, we're told, the opening of other tombs and the veil in a temple being torn in two from top to bottom. But Easter changes all that. That which appears like a victory for evil in reality is the strike that breaks evil's back. In spite of the horror that still exists in our world, time is on the side of God and righteousness and goodness will win and evil has lost. And that's what we proclaim here today. Most of the world's great cathedrals, some of you know, are built in the shape of a cross. And it's not an accident that that shape has been chosen because the cross is not a tragic accident. It is not a victory for evil. It is a throne. It's no accident that many of those great cathedrals, in fact many of our churches, are built so that the worshiping congregation faces east into the rising of the sun. Some of you will remember it's literally been 46 years ago that a new translation of the Bible was made called Good News or sometimes Good News for Modern Man. And in one of the ways they tried to illustrate in this new Bible, which now is not new anymore, was that they added some cartoons in various places attempting to depict what the text was saying. And the story goes that a man who was in prison was given one of these Bibles. And as he's opening and skimming and reading a little bit here and there, He's reading in that sixth chapter of Romans. And if you go and find one of those Bibles now and you look in the sixth chapter, you'll see the picture of a man carrying a heavy load of sin and guilt. And he approaches the cross of Jesus and he drops the burden at the foot of the cross. And then the next cartoon is the man straightening up and stretching out and standing tall. And the prisoner looks at this picture and he says, That's me! That's who I am. And that is the moment that leads him toward baptism and toward a profession of faith. The cross is a symbol of victory, a place where we find forgiveness and release. The third thing this dawning of Easter Day guarantees, and we've really already spoken about it, is that the power of death is broken. When dawn breaks over the tomb on, of Jesus on Saturday, it looks pretty final. Pilate has done his best to secure the place. He's put a squad of Roman soldiers around it, and Roman soldiers don't scare easily, and they don't go to sleep on guard duty. The tomb looks impregnable. Death's always looked like that. There's a terrible finality to it. 
during the Second World War, one of the churches just outside of London was gathering in the fall for what they would have called a harvest festival. We would have called it Thanksgiving. And in the front of the church, down near the communion table, what they would have called the altar, they set up another table and on it they put things that they were thankful for. And one of the things that was put there was a bundle of wheat that was bundled together with the full heads nodding. But they never had their worship service. German bombers came through before the Sunday and leveled the church to the ground. Fall and winter passes. <coughs> it looks like death's done its worst. But then in the spring rains, there beside the blackened earth of a burned table, green sprouts begins to rise. Taken from the heads of the wheat gathered there on the table. It's a symbol. It's a symbol that life is stronger than death. Bombs cannot ruin what God has created. And death cannot win. Why is it you think we call our funeral service a witness to the resurrection? I tell families as we sit down to plan a service for one of their loved ones that I want funeral services, memorial services, to look like many Easter's. Because we don't believe that death is final. God wins. One of the great significance that Jesus gives to us in His resurrection is also summed up in His words, because I live, you also believe. At the time of His death, Theodore Roosevelt was one of the most beloved of American presidents. He certainly was one of the most adventuresome. And a political cartoonist, and as you well know, political cartoonists aren't always kind to presidents. But a political cartoonist drew the cartoon that morning for one of the Northeastern papers. And it showed Teddy in his colonel's uniform sitting astride a horse. But he wasn't riding off into a sunset as we so often have the heroes do at the end of a movie. No. He was riding off into a sunrise. Because sunrises are symbols of resurrection. And that's what we gather here to celebrate. Sunrise of a brand new day. Not just a day. But the day, the day we remember resurrection, Jesus Christ lives and reigns victorious. And even when it doesn't look to be the case to you,
still is. And in your ending, in your dying, Christ will raise you up. That's what we gather here to remember today. Jesus Christ has won. And so have you. Hallelujah. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.